Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you doing, buddy? I'm alright, Ryan. I've got no complaints, but I've also got no praise. No praise? Is that the right phrase? Uh... I don't know. I've got much to say. Like, I've got nothing wrong, but I've got nothing right. Everything's just, Everything just is right now. Yeah, everything's just sort of ticking by. Yeah, that, I suppose. Is that more depressing than anything else? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We've got some stuff going on in our in our uh, TWPD realm, though, haven't we, recently? We should. We should bring that up as well, in case you haven't noticed us spamming our social channels, which you probably have if you're listening to this. Um, yeah. We have a website, which is really Ooh. cool. Um, it's got everything on there. If you want to see our merch, you can click on through there. Uh, past episodes, you can kind of see through there. I'll, we'll put more on. Basically, everything you want to do with us is on that website, plus written articles. Um, over the coronation weekend, we we got a few out. Uh, I realise we're not a very balanced news source, so I'm not even going <laughs> to yeah. describe us as a news source. <laughs> it's just a place to write things. But basically, if you if you like our our thoughts and and things, um, head over there, read our work. We have got a past episode out about one of our episodes, which maybe we'll do more of. Um, but I don't know. I've got a master's in in journalism, so I thought we might as well put it to good use. Mm, mm, and, James and we is... will. So we'll. James is slowly teaching me how to write better. <laughs> we'll, we'll be we'll be shitting content out over there, and most of it is readable. So go and read it. Mm, mm. Um, obviously, one of the big things we said uh, when it was making the website and then making that we can start putting articles out uh, is that the show doesn't suffer for it. Now, um, obviously, for those that are you know loyal you hang around you stick by us and you have done for so many years now uh you know what we're like you know we've run we've got full-time work going on busy lives and we do try to get these out as quickly as possible so the whole point is this is the main focus 
getting articles out is things that we do in our spare time uh, and hopefully as well if we can get enough of those articles out we can start getting things like sponsors on the articles and on the website and uh, hopefully that can start to generate some cash moolah for the show um, this is the aim isn't it this is the and, aim yeah so and then the twpd network the world the multiverse of twpd will expand and we'll have some amazing things going on. So we've got massive, massive plans and ideas, but uh, it all involves you guys hanging around and sticking by us. So if you want to do that, we've got so much coming up. So with that being said, this week, um, we are. this is a tricky episode because I spoke to my mum. So my mum appears in this pod fairly recent, uh, fairly often, Um she's just got you know a lot of life experience a plethora of knowledge and i like to ask her about certain things and i'm like do you remember this and she's like yeah i do actually um and this was one of those episodes where i was like do you remember this particular person she was like yeah i was like what did you think of them and she was like yeah seemed all right seemed like a genuinely nice bloke and then all the shit came out and it's like ah yeah so um should we just yeah let's just get into it i've got a nice intro i really enjoyed this intro actually writing it so let's go Music and movies have always gone hand in hand. The right song at the right time can really make a scene pop. Take Eye of the Tiger by Survivor in the Rocky films, or I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard, or I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes in Dirty Dancing. All of these songs are now iconic because of the films that they appeared in and vice versa. Another film to continue this trend is 2019's The Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix. In the now iconic scene, the titular character is seen heading down a set of stairs in full regalia, dancing to a very catchy pop rock song. Now I remember watching this scene in the cinema and really enjoying the song, so much so that I had to look it up. I googled Song from Joker Movie and was met with a results page full of articles with titles like why the music in the Joker is problematic. I delved a little deeper. I found the name of the music. It's called Rock and Roll Part 2. Great, I can now listen to this song in my own time. Maybe stick it in a playlist on Spotify. Who is it by? Gary Glitter? I know that name. Quickly Googles Gary Glitter. Oh, thanks Gary. You've now ruined this for me. So who is Gary Glitter, and why has he ruined my enjoyment of what can be some very catchy tunes? Addressing the Joker thing for a minute, like, it was clearly a very obvious choice that they made to put that music in. They didn't just pick the song and not care who it was by, they knew it was by Gary Glitter, they would have considered what he was, which we'll get onto later. Oh, for sure, and they paid a hefty price. I probably think it was worth it i do i think it's in terms of what like you said that they've not just put a song in there and not thought about it they know who it's by they know what the person has done uh and it's i think it fits their whole um their whole sort of thing i can't really explain my words are not quite coming out there but i think it fits um who what what they're trying to get across so, Gary Glitter, real name Paul Francis Gad, was born on the 8th of May in 1944 in Banbury, Oxford. He is one of three sons to be born to his mother. 
He didn't know his father. He is the product of a one-night stand. His mother raised him with the help of his grandmother, but he proved too much to handle, exerting many antisocial behaviours. They moved to Croydon in South London, maybe hoping that a change of scenery would be beneficial to young Paul, but it wasn't. Despite her best efforts, Paul was taken from his mother and placed into the care system at the age of 10. Now, the care system has an uncomfortable reputation attached to it. Tales of child abuse happening in the homes where they are supposed to be cared for by the best of us. And now, I do want to clarify that I know most people who work in the social care network are good, honest people who want nothing more than to help these kids and make them a success. But there is a reason such a reputation exists. In fact, according to a study by University College London, children are twice as likely to die prematurely in care. Which is fucking insane for a stat. It's not it's not good, is it? If you're if you're a government official or anyone that works in that sort of area, that should be quite alarming. It should be. And uh in that same study, only six percent will go on to have a university education. So clearly something doesn't quite work in the care system. Yeah, the chances get removed, different opportunities. I suppose the second most people are born into sort of like a traditional family unit, their parents will immediately start a fund for them for Mm. higher education. And in care, maybe you don't get that, I don't know. Mm. Now, for young Paul Gad, he he claims that he was abused whilst in care at the age of 10. Now... It is purely anecdotal and there appears to be no evidence for it. In fact, he really only opened up about it when he was trying to defend his future crimes. But we cannot be certain, and maybe that is unfair to just brush over his claims, but I I do think it's important to say it overall. Either way, it appears that Paul could not stand being in care. He would often try and run away, heading to the bright lights of London's Soho district and its booming music scene. By the age of 12, he was wandering the streets, singing and hoping to get noticed. And by the age of 14, he was in the clubs performing covers of popular songs with his own early rock and roll twist on them, drawing in crowds of people, which is not bad for a 14-year-old. No, go on, go, go get it, lad. Now, by the age of 15, Paul was now a veteran of the nightclub scene, performing regularly in places like Two Eyes, Laconda and Safari Clubs. His repertoire consisted of early rock and roll and gentle ballads for winding down the night. And it's here that Paul was noticed by a film producer called Robert Hartford Davis. He was so impressed with the young man's performance that he offered to pay for a recording session at Decca Records. Now, we'll likely never know why the film producer was willing to put his own money into this 15-year-old kid, but having had a quick look into the guy, he seems to be the kind of person who had many fingers in many pies, and maybe he just fancied getting into the music business. One thing I always found quite weird when looking this up, right? Imagine being like, you know, in your 20s and whatnot, and you want to go on a night out, you go to a club, and you're like, oh, this guy on the on the stage, and you turn around, and it's a 15-year-old kid, and you're like, um, why aren't you at home? Oh, it was a different time, wasn't it? When is this? The What what, what decade again? Oh, bro, this is the 50s. 50, yeah, different decade. No one gave a shit, did they? Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, I, I just can imagine just, like, crowds of people just cheering on this 15-year-old kid just, like, you know, singing their favourite rock songs, you know. You right. do wonder whether this bleeds into 
his later life. Possibly. Now, Paul, under his new stage name, Paul Raven, released his first single, Alone in the Night. Now, unfortunately for Paul, it wasn't received very well. In fact, I've listened to it, and it's not very good, in my opinion. But oh. he is 15, right? Not m- Most of the shit you make at 15 is pretty shit. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul's subsequent releases also didn't fare very well. He moved on and found a new manager to boost his music career with a guy called George Martin. Now, together they produced two singles called Walk On Boy and Tower of Strength. Unfortunately, neither of these really took off either and they went their separate ways. George Martin, as a fun fact, would go on to be known as the fifth Beatle due to his heavy involvement with the band's music, which is absolutely mad. Well, he probably landed on his feet then, didn't he? Oh, for sure. But imagine being that guy, that George Martin, and he's like so influential with the Beatles, and he's like, yeah, I also made music with Gary Glitter once. (laughs) Yeah, but music that no one gave a shit about, so it's fine. Yeah. Now, Paul did what most performers do when they didn't have any work on. He auditioned like crazy, auditioning for TV commercials, films, and music gigs, and eventually landed himself a job as the warm-up artist for the popular program called Ready Steady Go!, which was like the OG Top of the Pops back in the 60s, but aimed at rock and roll music with a very, very American vibe to the whole thing. Now, while working on the show, he met with singer-songwriter Mike Leander, who asked Paul to join him in his show band, where they would tour around the UK doing shows. Now, they enjoyed, they enjoyed some time doing this until the show band disbanded and Paul was left without a band. Undeterred by this, Paul, alongside a saxophonist called John Russell, formed a band called the Boston Internationals, or simply known as the Bostons. Together they embarked on a new journey following the footsteps of the up-and-coming bands like the Beatles. Paul and John managed to get a one-month contract with a club owner called Bruno Koschmeider to play clubs in Hamburg, Germany. Now this one-month contract turned into a several-year stay in Germany, playing clubs and building a reputation for themselves. And this bit I find truly fascinating. So indulge me for a second. It turns out that Hamburg was a massive hub for English rock and roll. And right, many... okay, so I've Go got on. insights into this. Yes. Um, well, I say insights. I, uh, It's not an insight at all. I just I just know about this. Uh, the Beatles, well, Hamburg claim, they claim that they created the Beatles. Liverpool would go to war over that claim, I yeah. think. But if but the Beatles probably did take off in Hamburg. That's probably where people started noticing them. Yeah. Because before that, they were the what were they the Quarry Boys? I think they were called. Um, right. And no one really gave a shit. But yeah, Hamburg was huge for the English music scene and really did create a lot of big names, including the Beatles. And they still, to this fucking day, claim it. Well, to be fair, they have a very good argument for it. Although the Beatles are born and bred Liverpudlians. Uh, Hamburg is, yeah, where they became quite famous and they, they were there for quite some time. Um, but so Hamburg, is, like I said, it's a, it's a massive hub for English rock and roll and we have a lot to thank Hamburg for, right? Now, why Hamburg specifically? Well, it's a port city, so immediately it's an easy way to get to. And so many of the sailors who were dock at Hamburg were looking for a way to let loose and spend their money 
And since Germany's rock and roll scene really hadn't quite kicked off, they didn't have many artists and musicians that were into that kind of music. Which is where, James, your point, right? Britain, on the other hand, was churning out rocks and rock and roll like stars. They were churning them out. There's an oversaturation, mm-hmm. meaning that they needed to find a name elsewhere. And Hamburg was a really easy place to get to. And people were interested and wanted the music. So they just absolutely lapped it up. Mm. Now, as you say, the Beatles are the most famous of bands to have started making their name in Germany. And Paul Raven, trying out the new name of Paul Monday, was following suit. Hamburg, to this day, still has a thriving music scene, holding the annual Reeperbahn Festival. And in fact, Germany is the biggest music market in Europe, and it's third in the world. What, really? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? They absolutely love the music. I mean, I know they love their music, but like, maybe it's just British arrogance because we sort of like our own thing, but you don't really. Rammstein is the only German band that's coming to mind right now. I can't tell you another one off the top of my head um i like a band called okay kid they're pretty cool never heard of this um but it turns out we can thank germany for a lot of our famous music but then like i've also heard songs where like someone will play you a song and you'll be like oh my god this is really familiar i love this and you'll be like oh yeah it's a german dj or it's a german band and mm. you have no fucking idea um yeah i suppose that's the british man in me that you only like what comes out of england but it's interesting. And obviously the Noin and Noin and Luftballons. Obviously everyone knows that. Yeah, which of course has an English version, doesn't it? That were very, very, very well known in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Now, riding on his German popularity, Paul returned to England. He and Mike Leander had some unfinished business. They were going to make it in the UK. Paul changed his name again. Bear in mind, he's done three names at this point, right? He's gone through three names. so One of them will stick eventually. Oh, yeah, it's like throwing shit at a wall, isn't it? Um, But this time, he's gone for the, frankly, weird Rubber Bucket as a name. He's called called himself Rubber Bucket. Yeah, yeah. That's the name he's going to go by for a little while, Rubber Bucket. And so they recorded several more records, all of which bombed, including one notable one called We're All Living in One Place which is basically just a rip-off of Amazing Grace and is an absolute bag of shit, honestly. It feels like it's too long for a song title as well. I feel like to have long song titles, you need to be established and well-known for people to go mm. along with it. Yeah. Other than and that, just don't don't bore me. I'm not reading that. Also, like I say, it's to the tune of um, Amazing Grace, but because it's like we're all living in one place, I think it's actually like a syllable or two too long and it doesn't oh, so it quite doesn't fit. fit. And it's really, really weird. I have listened to so much Gary Glitter music over the last couple of weeks. (laughs) It's I I've been playing it at work, and some of it's genuinely quite good. I won't lie. I we'll get to this. Is we can have we've I've left a a, a bit for us to have a conversation later about an artist and and whatnot. But yeah, it's not good music at this point. It's really, really bad. You've got to admire his persistence, though. Oh, hundred percent. This guy is the epitome of persistence like this guy does not know how to fucking give up which is like a great thing for his career terrible for his criminal career (laughs) (laughs) now it was beginning to look like paul's career was never going to hit the lofty heights he was hoping to reach but by the 1970s that was all about to change the glam rock era began in 1971 with the band t-rex fronted by mark bolan releasing their album electric warrior 
Mark was the OG when it came to wearing glitter and more effeminate clothing. It allowed artists like David Bowie and Slade to go on and seriously glam it up, giving us the gender-bending, androgynous look that glam rock is famous for. It would inspire other artists like Elton John, Rod Stewart and Queen. And Robert Rubber Bucket, or Paul Monday, or Paul Raven, decided that he was going to evolve again to try and get in with this new trend. So he and Mike Leander made use of some free studio time and jammed until they found what it was they were looking for. What emerged from that session was a new name and a new sound. Paul had experimented with a few different names during this session. Vicky Vomit, Terry, Terry Tinsel, Stanley Sparkle, <laughs> Horace Hydrogen. But what stuck was Gary Glitter. I feel like he's just going through the alphabet, right? And yeah, of course. Like, and he, he definitely picked the best one. The others are awful. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'll be referring to Paul as Gary from here on, as that's the name that he goes on to use for the rest of his life. The new sound was a 15-minute jam session that would be broken down into two parts, Rock and Roll Part 1 and Rock and Roll Part 2. With a stomping beat and guitars that sound reminiscent of kazoos, Part 1 was all about the lyrics. Part 2, although it had a few haze and rock and roll thrown in, it was more about the beat and was the more popular of the two. In 1972, it was unleashed to the public and reached number two in the charts and was placed in the top ten in the US. Which is not bad, considering you know, he's been around for a while. He, re- he comes in, try and reinvent himself, reinvent himself, reinvent himself, and then comes out with something he's like, this is good, puss it out, number that, two. That was the that was the thing, with especially bands in like the 60s and people in the 70s and 80s, whatever, you had to break the American market. That was the, the true test. Yeah. Like the Beatles did it. I saw a video once, it's really interesting. Um, it was all American number ones, or number ones in America, from like 1950 to 1970, 1980, whatever. And like there's a very specific style in like the 50s. And then all of a sudden, it's just Beatles. It's just non-stop yeah. Beatles. And yeah. you can see when the fucking invasion happened. And with the Beatles, apparently they sat down with the Rolling Stones and they were like, right, we fucking smash this, boys, because Ron Stone's famously English as well. And they're like, we'll release an album on this date. You wait, you release it on that date. And they fucking spoke to each other about when they're going to release stuff. So they just so com- had clever. a complete monopoly of the market. That is so clever. That's really good. Now, with a number two hit, Selling more than a million records, Gary was launched into stardom. Problem was, Gary, living on the fringes of rock and roll for the last 15 years, it had taken its toll. Dave Thompson of Goldmine magazine said he was, quote, visually disastrous, a slightly middle-aged, slightly overweight, slightly daunting creature, a cross between the failed nightclub rock and roller he had once been and the space-age mutant he now wanted to be. Which is that's such a I good it's, quote. It's a fair comment, isn't it? I imagine he like had proper like Butlins vibes. Oh God, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I I do I implore you all to just Google Gary Glitter, and all you'll see is exactly as has been described: a slightly middle-aged, slightly overweight guy in outfits that are slightly too small for him 
but he just tries to own it and he goes for it and you know what kudos to him <laughs> it look he looks like an extra out of fucking flush gordon yes yeah 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 you, you can also tell that he's looked at elvis's hair as well and gone oh, i can do better than that and just yes. tried to make it bigger the hair is immaculate and it's something that he had tried to keep for well over 20 years just kept that inside that exact same hairstyle never changed it hmm. now gary went all in glam was in glitter on the face in the hair glittered jumpsuits and dangerously high platform shoes with glitter all over them gary embraced it all he went on to release several more songs i didn't know i loved you till i saw you rock and roll which is a very catchy name as you've said before james long names don't work do you want to touch me slightly problematic and Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah i'm the leader of the gang i am all of these songs performed quite well charting in the top 50 and to be honest they're all really very catchy songs, and I quite like them. I gotta I've got to be honest it. here. I, n- there isn't a Gary Glitter song that comes to mind. I don't think I listen to his music very often. My Spotify wrapped every year is exactly the same as the year previous because all I do is listen to my Spotify wrapped throughout the next year. <laughs> my, my music just doesn't fucking change. I like that. I like that. And that means Spotify yeah. absolutely nailed it for you. But at the same time, they're failing you because they're not introducing you to new stuff. Oh, I could easily go out and seek new things. I just I just don't want to. I don't listen to music that often. Maybe when I go out for a walk or something. Um, but if I'm on transport, I should listen to podcasts. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm now very much in the podcast world and not in the music world. Although I do have a quite... I'm not entirely sure what my type of music is because it's like weird indie stuff, but also like I like quite like indie rap as well. It's weird, really weird. Mm. My music tastes. Um, but Gary Glitter, like I said, I've listened to so much of Gary's music that oh, I gotta be honest, some of it's really cool. It's really you can cool. En- you can enjoy the art, but hate the artist. Yes, it's fine. Yes. We'll get on to it later. Now, Gary had found his era. 70s glam was kind to Gary. It made him a very wealthy man. He spent thousands of pounds on ever shinier jumpsuits and reportedly owned around 50 pairs of giant silver platform boots. And Gary was spending at least a thousand pounds a day. Which, if I was to say that to you now, like he's spending a thousand pounds a day today, you'd go, ah, fair enough, he's doing quite well. The equivalent, that's £1,000 in the 70s. You know what the equivalent of it today is? It's nearly 15k. He was making money, wasn't he? Yeah. This it guy... sickens me a little bit, but also if I had it, I would probably do the same. Oh, uh, To me, it speaks of a young lad who has come from nothing, who's been given now everything and doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, 100%. I was speaking to uh, my parents earlier, actually, because I think someone in the UK won the Euro Millions yesterday or whatever. They won, like, 42 million. And classic, you should have the classic, what would you do with that money? And, like, other people would be really sensible with it. I would just fucking... I I wouldn't blow all of it, but it would deplete quickly. I'm really... I'm bad. I... I, If I'm honest, I would have to give it to someone else to look after. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. fair. Just give it to the, just invest in property. I think would be the safest thing. Buy a few houses, rent them out, so then at least you've got some passive income. But then you're a scummy landlord. Can you live with yourself? I don't know. Oh, but I wouldn't be a scummy landlord. I'd be a good landlord. If I had that but money, there's, I, there's no excuse to not. Why be. you've got the money? Yeah. 
But no, yeah. I'd go on a really fucking nice holiday. Yeah, if my if my tenant was like, oh, there's mould growing in here, I'd be like, that is unacceptable. I will get that sorted for you next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like this dickhead landlord. Anyway, that's a mm, different argument. Mm. Now, Gary Glitter's success seems to be in the simplicity of his music. Unlike his contemporaries like David Bowie with all his intricacies, anyone could get on board with Gary. He was easily more accessible. He believed that he was the leader of the gang, but it was in the UK that he was only the leader. Gary tried his hand at breaking the USA like many before him and many after, and it went as well as you'd expect. It is also very well known. America is very hard to crack. It's just too big. Like, it's too big with too many different types of people. You can't come in with your one type of music and just everyone likes you. It don't work. So, this is the thing with America, which is wild. There's so many cultures. Like, for us, like, English people in different cities will differ and have different things. Like, Northerners are not the same as Southerners. But the culture generally is the same. And you have to go abroad to get different cultures. Yeah. America's not like that. And there's, this is the argument as well with, like, working hours. So, obviously, by EU law, which England no longer is part of... um you can work 180 days outside of the country in another like EU country or whatever, and that is your like right. Um, America doesn't have that. Like they don't have that at all because they won't leave the country. They can just holiday on the other side of the fucking country, and that is like a nine-hour flight for them. Whereas a yeah. nine-hour flight to us will put us in Asia. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy that you could be in, say, I don't know, Wyoming, and you'd be like, oh, we're going on holiday. Where are you going? Florida. Yeah. Okay. It's it's okay. it's absolutely that country's too big. But like like you said, yeah, the the people in the deep south are not going to be listening to the same music as people in California, are they? They're very different people. Oh yeah, and this is the thing, right? There were some places on the east coast that were more open minded with their music and had seen many people come and go in the port cities, but that the whole gender bending look didn't quite work with the tobacco chewing, acoustic loving deep south. So yeah, Gary did imagine. not work. It didn't happen. Yeah. Now, how did Bowie do? Was he? Did he do well? I imagine he did okay. Bowie, yeah, Bowie was quite popular. The, Bowie, I, I, I mean, I'm not a musical historian in any way, shape, or form, so I don't know. But like, on, on, from uh, purely like personal opinion, his whole thing is it's more than music. You know, like Michael Jackson was kind of more than just music. He was like a filmmaker yeah, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And there's a story behind it all that you can get invested in. So you might not even be the music that you call like you're interested in, but you like the story, you like the narrative that he's building. And I think that's the thing with Bowie and why he works outside of music as well. I always watch interviews with him and like his entire presence is just otherworldly. He's just yeah. fascinating just to watch. Yeah. We need to get Terry on again to just talk about Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Gary returned to the UK and released a couple more songs. But as bright as the glam rock candle shone, it burned out very quickly. By the late 70s, glam rock was evolving into different genres like punk rock with acts like Iggy Pop, the Sex Pistols and the Damned. Many of the glam rockers had to adapt or cease to exist. Some of the biggest names could carry on doing their own thing and people would follow them. But to artists like Gary Glitter, eh, that wasn't the story. He's been through so many eras of music and failed at them all. Glam rock was his genre and he wasn't going to let it go. That was the one thing that made him Richard famous. He was going to continue to be a glam rocker, right? As you would, as you would. Now, 
I do wonder, like, I'm thinking, like, why is the glam rock era just, it lasted, like, what, five or six years, and then it just died out and evolved and changed, right? So why? And like I say, not a musical historian in any way, shape, or form. So if someone else does know, that would be really cool to hear. But in my opinion, I think that Gary was quite creatively bankrupt, and I would go out on a limb to say that most of those that lived in the glam rock era were also very creatively bankrupt. They're... This is a bit of a hot take here, right? But most of the musicians during this era had a particular sound and they stuck to it. There wasn't much in the way of branching out and trying new things. Why would you? Because you've got something that works. Just keep at it, right? Mm. Now, as catchy as Gary Glitter's songs are, if you listen to them all and you listen to them as often as I fucking did, you start to notice that they have a very similar sound, a very similar beat that comes in. And you're like... Mm. Hold on, that sounds like the last song. And it's for a very good fucking reason. You stick to what you know, right? And he was an experienced showman. He played covers of songs in nightclubs for a long-ass time. And he managed to get a couple of good songs out there. And that was kind of it. Once his popularity, though, had run dry, he was kind of done, like many other artists in this era. But that's all it was. He's got a couple of good songs. And he's such a good showman. And if you watch some of his live shows, they're really, really cool. Um... He can make that last. He can work, He can run on that. And that's that was his whole thing. But yeah, that's my hot take. Is that the reason glam rock died. Is because all the glam rock artists either had to evolve. And they're the ones that are really good. The rest were just creatively bankrupt. They, they had one thing. They stuck with it. That were it. No, I think the same. I think as well. It, it was probably one of the first times in history. Where there was so many genres. And people sort of like found their niche because obviously you had like blues and rock and roll and all of that coming up and like the swing into like everything had eras like you've got the roaring 20s which was very much you you know what like the fucking charleston um 50s blues rock and roll mm. and suddenly in the 60s and 70s you've got all of these like branches of pop and rock and everyone fits into a fucking subcategory now yeah well you also have this this really fascinating era where music before was kind of dictated by the culture that you were in at the time and you couldn't deviate from there and then you've got this democratized democratization what's the word democratization 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 oh, Demo- oh fucking hell wow anyway <laughs> anyway a democratization of music right where everyone yeah. can have an instrument and everyone can make sounds and then everyone just starts making their own shit and there's so many people making so many different things. It's almost like the podcast world now where every everyone and his dog has got a podcast and most of them are shit, but then some of them will stick and the ones that do stick are the ones that are good and well-researched and got great, yeah. great hosts like ours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is um, interesting though, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, and yeah, and then you're gonna get loads of subgenres and and whatnot, and it, it's great. It's really cool. But then you get like I don't know, some things do work, and people do need to stick to their things. If you take Elvis for example, what he did or like what he first began to do was incredible, and then the government and people around him tried to sort of stop him and dumb him down, and because they, for various reasons. And then he became sort of this straight edge family man singing Christmas songs. And Mm. no one gave a fuck anymore. Like, Mm. no one gave a fuck. And then he came back as this rock and roll star and people cared. So sometimes developing doesn't work. The Beatles tried it as well. And some of their later work is just fucking weird. Yeah. Um, 
I like. I don't know if this is a genuine quote from anywhere else, but like, or whether it is purely just a a Batman quote. But you know the quote: "You either die the hero, or you live long enough to see yeah. yourself become the villain." Right? I think that's such an interesting line. Like, it's such a great saying, and it works in this story, not just for Gary's music career, but just <laughs> overall everything in general. Yeah, uh, um, I do love that if someone's listened to this episode and they haven't researched like, Gary Glitter beforehand, they're probably going, "What the fuck did he do?" Because we just haven't said it yet. Yeah, exactly right. And this is the, <laughs> this is the fun bit of the episode, like. <laughs> <laughs> I and I, I said to James before um, uh, we started recording that I forgot who I was researching about because I had so much fun researching about like the history of glam rock and his career and all this kind of stuff. And then I thought, oh yeah, oh yeah, it gets it gets really bad. And he's done some <laughs> fucked up stuff. <laughs> it gets <Anyway>. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> now there was a small contingent of glitter fans who kept him going, but he wasn't making any new music that was really selling. By 1976, after riding high for five years at the top table, Gary Glitter announced that he was retiring from music and public life to settle down and have a family with his then-girlfriend Mary, although it is speculated that he used this time to deal with various addictions. What we know for sure is that it was all an elaborate stunt to boost Gary's popularity. He had a farewell tour at the beginning of 1976 to make some cash, and then he disappeared, splitting his time between Paris and Australia. Fun fact here, uh, have you seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I've seen film versions, I've never seen it live. Yeah, no, that's the film but version. I'm, I'm Tim familiar Curry, right? with what you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, whilst uh, in Australia and New Zealand... Uh, Gary Glitter was offered the role of Dr. Frankenfurter in the stage tour of the Rocky Horror Show in New Zealand. I suppose he he was an eccentric character, wasn't he? It ma- that makes sense. That yeah. Casting. Yeah. Um, and there is a whole album of him like doing the covers for this uh, stage show that toured. And oh. it, you can find bits of it and it's really fascinating. <laughs> Now, as we know, Gary's retirement was a publicity stunt. He had no intention of retiring. How could he? He was spending money like it was going out of fashion, and his record sales were not quite keeping up with him. In fact, I watched a documentary that was talking about Gary Glitter and his career, and it said that he was trying to keep up with the Rod Stewarts, um, the the Guns N' Roses, all that kind of stuff, the Rolling Stones. He was trying to keep up with them. And he was whilst he was making money, but he was never, ever as big as them. Uh, so he's trying to just, you know, keep up with the Joneses and he just couldn't. Um, yeah. So not I mean, even... that's an impossible task, isn't it? Oh, for sure. So not even a year away from the stage, Gary had a comeback tour and opened with a new song called Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again, which is just shit. <laughs> The fucking audacity to have a farewell tour yeah. and then less than a year later yeah. have a fucking reunion tour. That's really funny. Yeah, with your opening song called Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again. You haven't even been gone that long. You would have no. been gone longer if you just didn't say you were going anywhere, worked on a new album and then did a tour anyway. A hundred percent. Again, I will say Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again is actually quite a good song. I quite <laughs> like it. <laughs> My Spotify wrapped is going to be messed up this year. It is a lot of Gary Glitter. I can't wait to see you put it on Instagram. Your number one artist, Gary Glitter, 1% top fan, Gary Glitter. (laughs) But it wasn't enough. People either saw through it or they just weren't interested in Gary anymore. 
he managed to stay in people's minds due to punk artists who were inspired by Gary keeping him relevant. Gary's spending habits remained the same and he was declared bankrupt in 1977. His career would never reach the lofty heights it had once reached. His career was now being supported by playing at university student unions and selling out nightclubs. Oh, fact, that's when you know you've failed. Yeah, yeah. Now, he did do an annual tour that many of his loyal fans came to see every year. And he was doing like 80 shows a year, which is insane. But it still wasn't enough. No. Gary would spend the next decade performing live shows, releasing mediocre music and, and appearing on many TV adverts for companies like British Rail, which is, that's a pretty easy one. You just sit on the train, mm. you're sort of going around, oh, it's Mr. Glitter on a train. Uh, but the other one's a bit weird. He was doing an advert for Heinz Soup. Are you thinking? I suppose, that's, I suppose that's where the money is. Yeah, that's where the money is, right? I've watched this advert and it's really stupid. He, mm. um, the, the whole advert is he's clearly just finished doing a set on stage. He walks back into his dressing room, takes a seat, and he's like dabbing his head because he's all sweaty. And he's like, oh, God, wow, oh, amazing. And someone comes over, like, and they've got a tray. And on that tray is a bowl of soup. And they're like, oh, here you are, Mr. Glitter. And he's like, oh, excellent. Just what I needed. And it's like, Heinz soup, Gary Glitter approves. <laughs> and it's like, Gary's not Gary's not sipping on some soup after his show. Uh, That's a wor- I, I couldn't think of anything worse of doing like a proper show, being really sweaty and hot, and then having yeah. soup. You yeah. don't want soup when you're hot and sweaty. <laughs> Now, not I mean, I, I am, but try not to make too light of the fucking the shit that he'll get onto. But it's like, <laughs> of all the things that Gary's gonna do in his fucking uh, dressing room after he's done a set, is a bunch of cocaine and something he should definitely not be doing. Yeah, maybe if he stuck to the soup. You know the thing as well, right? If it was now in this era, if Gary Glitt was now without the crimes that he's gonna do in a bit, hundred percent he'd be on Big Brother. 100% he's on I'm a Celebrity, right? Oh, yeah. He might have even, like, revived himself as, like, an old legend or something. Oh, yeah, probably. But, yeah, 100% he would be on all of these fucking reality shows of I'm a Celeb. And he'd be doing the thing, you know, when they interview him, and they're like, oh, Gary, what made you want to do I'm a Celebrity? And they always come up with the same shitty answers, like, oh, well, I really wanted to just, you know, try, like, see how far I could push myself. And it's like, right, it's got nothing to do with the fact you paid half a mil, right? Yeah. Okay, let's be honest, right? I really wanted someone to be just be like, oh, the money. The money's good. The money, the money's really, really good. Free holiday as well. Get voted out first. Get to <laughs> yeah. sit in the hotel for the rest of it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Um, 
Gary released an autobiography in 1981. In fact, it was a bestseller for a time, putting his name back oh. out there. But by the 90s, it was kind of dying. Gary had one last performance up his sleeve. He was the surprise booking for the opening ceremony of the 1994 World Cup held in America. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I suppose, yeah. though, like... This is a big conversation at the minute of people trying to sort of Americanize. I put that in quotes, football, mm. like by putting music in there. Like the second you try putting a halftime show in any football thing, there'd be riots. And also, who was it? Was it Iggy Azalea? It was someone who did the opening ceremony for the Champions League final. One oh, year. was that recently? It was. I think it was last year. Was it Liverpool? It was or last year. Or, or... And like all of the fans just chanted over it and afterwards i forget who it was i think it was a female artist complained on twitter and was like that was so rude like how dare they and all the english people flooded the comments being like you need to fuck off like stop trying to perform on our sport just fuck off yeah because i know there was someone i think it might have been fifa that came out recently and was like oh we want to have halftime shows like they do with the super bowl and everyone's like absolutely not no can you I just want 15 not? minutes to go for a wee, get a drink, have some food, and then back on. I don't yeah. I don't need anything in between. The Super Bowl, I worked the Super Bowl this year. I watched the whole thing. It's just one big fucking advert. The second it, it take, like it becomes not about the sport, you, it's, a, it's a fucking problem. Yeah, I mean, I've said to my partner before when I'm like, oh, can we like watch, can we watch a game together? Like, And she's like, uh, yeah, how long is it? And I'm like, it's like three hours long. And she's like, sorry, what? How long's the game yeah. itself? I'm like, the game itself is actually an hour, but it's three hours because of fucking adverts. It's absolutely ridiculous. Whereas football, you know, you've got 45 minute halves, 90 minutes plus 15 minutes of the break. That's it. Mm. Done. Now, um, I've said before that like Gary was, um, he tried to break America and it didn't quite work. Now you think, well, why has he then just been like, why has he been put on the opening ceremony for the 94 America World Cup. Um, mm. It's because, like um, like I said, Rock and Roll Part 2, really, really famous. And you know how in the UK, for like, oh, i got to say near on a decade, um, Written in the Stars was the Premier League anthem on Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Part 2 was like America's sports anthem. So like, Was it really? Yeah, for like most, most fucking sports shows that was the song that was played before every show. That's really funny. I hope he got royalties from that. Oh, I imagine he did, yeah. Um, it's really funny, though, because like, Gary's quite old at this point. Like He's in his 50s, right? So he's clearly he's, he's, yeah. a bit more like you know, barrel-chested, got a bit more of a gut going on, and he sort of like rides on a chopper onto the stage, and he's just wearing this very tight, sparkly outfit, and it just doesn't look right. But... yeah. It was enough to remind us all that Gary existed and that he was once famous. And I, and in fact, he released a couple more songs in 1997. But, yeah, 1997 was also the year where it all came crashing down. Gary had declared bankruptcy again and was sort, resorted to selling most of his glittery outfits and shoes. The biggest hit for him was selling the rights to all of his music. Now... That's how you know you've hit rock bottom. Yeah. He made That's a couple Yeah, he made a couple mil from it, but it honestly it didn't cover anything really. Then everything you've ever done is just gone. Yeah, exactly that. Like like you say, in terms of royalties, he can't make anything now from his music. So he that's how desperate it was. He felt no, I have to sell my music. That's mm. 
oh, we've had this before with the podcast when that guy fucking wanted like 50 summit fucking percent of all anything that we potentially make in the future. And you're like, you can get fucked, mate. This is our baby. Like, we fucking do all yeah. the work. Like, no way. But worst of all was in November of 1997 when Gary's computer broke. Gary took his laptop to a Bristol branch of PC World for repair. Uh, James, I can see you're laughing already. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't laugh because it's so horrible but you you know what's coming <laughs> what we're gonna get on yeah you know what i don't i don't even want to defend how stupid he was go yeah that's this fucking yeah, idiot. yeah. It's, it's it's funny because it's so stupid right <sighs> all right gary took his laptop to a bristol branch of pc world for repair the computer technician had the shock of his life when he managed to boot up the computer and was met with a hard drive filled to the brim with thousands of images of child pornography. Can you imagine that? You'd be like, have you figured it out? Yeah, I've fixed your problem. Your fucking laptop is fucked. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Maybe because we're the generation of technology, like, we wouldn't think... One, we wouldn't do that anyway. Need to make that clear. But two, <laughs> if there's anything on the computer that you don't want someone seeing, you wouldn't then just hand it over to someone. Well, I mean, bro, like, like realistically, that was your laptop, and you know what's on it. I just throw it's it in the, the river. It's in the bin. Yeah, it's getting smashed with the hammer. It's in the bin. Yeah, but like, I, I can find this stuff again. I'm not getting it fixed. But uh, he saw that as being like, no, this stuff I've curated for so long. This is such good premium shit. I cannot get this again. <laughs> this is worth it. So some fucking minimum wage worker down at PC World's really going to help me here. Yeah. And they, now, they weren't asking any questions. <laughs> no, uh, but in fact, they did. The technician called his manager over for advice. <laughs> I'll give you one guess to tell me what the manager did. Let's phone the police, shall yes, we? Yes, they called the police. Meanwhile, Gary's just hanging around in the shop. Just browsing. <laughs> just browsing. Probably saying hello to people that may have recognised him. Like, Are you Gary Glitter? Yeah, yeah, I'm Gary Glitter. Do you want a picture? And then all of a sudden, a bunch of police officers walk in and they come over to him and he's like, oh, do you want to say hello as well? And they're like, no, I want to say you're under arrest. <laughs> um, what an idiot. I know, I know. Gary was questioned by police and then released on bail and his home was raided where they discovered thousands more images and a whole library's worth of videos of children being sexually abused. Gary was slammed in the press and his popularity evaporated. Despite this, his management team claimed that his 25-year anniversary tour would still be going ahead. (laughs) Come on. Have they already paid for the venue or something? They're I'm just trying assuming, to get something out of it. Yeah, I'm assuming they think, like, oh, we maybe ride this out. It's like, bro, no. Um, although his scheduled appearance on Children in Need the very next day was cancelled. Mm, yeah, the, yeah, good. <laughs> that was, that's not ideal, is it? In court, it was revealed that on his laptop, there was up to 4,000 images of, quote, hardcore and degrading sexual images of children. And they also discovered one file called, quote, The Lover's Guide to Better Child Sexual Abuse. Fucking hell. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know how I'm the I'm the person that's immune to all this shit? I've, I'm the... Yeah, I'm, yeah. When I, I... I've purposefully left out shit that was in this court case because even for me, I was like, oh, that's too far. That's way too much. It's just grotesque. Like... 
some of the descriptions of the stuff on his laptop even for me i was like oh oh i don't want that in here i don't want it <laughs> and a poor fucker down at pc world was just met with it yeah he's like oh excellent i got it i got it what <laughs> what's that <laughs> Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? 55-year-old Gary was sentenced to four months in prison in November of 1999 and was forced to sign the sex offenders register. That seems a little low for me. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Mm. Upon his release in January of the year 2000, he made a short press statement. Standing next to his blacked-out Mercedes with a black fur coat on, Gary spoke to the press at a crossroads outside Regent's Park in London. He said, I deeply regret doing what I was sent to prison for. I've served my time. I want to put it all behind me. I live my life. Sure, the other public went. Yep, no worries. You've yeah. served your four months. Yeah, he then ran away to his car and sort of just speedily drove off. Yeah, what a now, prick! A publicly hated figure in the UK, the leader fled to one of his remaining assets, a yacht moored in Spain. There he lived under the new name of Larry Brillante. Because we know he's so good at names. That's so Spanish as well. He's good. Where am I? Where am I? Brillante. Got it. <laughs> he was spending his time at bars and internet cafes. I wonder what he was oh, asking. Dear. I wonder what he was asking Jeeves at this point. Yeah. But it didn't last. After six months, the locals figured out who he was and he was chased out of town, fleeing to Cuba, where he would spend some time before heading to the child abuse capital of the world. Southeast Asia. And that's not me just saying that out of nowhere with nothing backing me up, right? That is ECPAT. Every child protected against child trafficking. That's them saying that Southeast Asia is the hub. And that's in 2018. You've come you've come with sources. Um, I have. I, I'm I'd, not just saying it. <laughs> I don't know whether they've got rid of this law or whether it still stands, but isn't it something in like Japan, for example? Like it's not It's illegal to produce child porn, but it's not illegal to possess it. Yes, that's right. No, yeah, it's illegal to produce it, but you can you can own it. I think that may have changed since then. Yeah, I um, hope so. But that, that that's a weird law. Yeah, yeah. Which was like we did we say this on the last show? I feel like we've had this conversation. I've I've had this conversation recently. It must have been with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we were saying about how like anime now, like in hentai and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. What the that fuck? Was it. What was our last episode? Why were we talking about that? What was it? Um. Oh. Gypsy Rose. Gypsy yeah, Rose. Yeah. It makes sense. Now, according to ECPAT, their reports say that girls and boys 12 and under are taken to Thailand to engage in commercial sex work. They also state that 26% of street working boys in Cambodia indicated that they had engaged in sex with adult men for money, food or other gains. And in Cebu City in the Philippines, 25% of all sex workers in that city are sexually exploited children. That was in 2018, so you can imagine, in like the year 2000, Gary was going to somewhere very, very fun. It's just not, if you want to clear your name, you don't go there. Well, I mean, I suppose for most people, 
when they go, oh, I'm going to Southeast Asia, they're like, oh, child abuse capital of the world. They go, oh, really nice islands, nice you're food. Going traveling. Yeah, going you're going traveling. to go find yourself, touch yeah. a tiger that's been fucking heavily drugged, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, That yeah. fucking, right, vexes me to my core. When you, I, I'm going to describe people, and we're going to lose listeners after I describe this, because I'm about to describe someone to a T, and they're going to get really offended, but fuck yourself. Girls and men, they can wear it as well. The fucking frilly trousers, usually coming grey, that have like patterns on them. And yeah. you know the patterns where it's got like pictures of tigers and maybe like a lotus flower. Loads of them all up and down. They'll go to Thailand, whatever, and they'll go to a zoo. They'll they'll touch a tiger who is just stroked by tourists all fucking day, is heavily sedated. They'll whack it on Instagram being like, I'm really finding myself in Asia. Um, this is life changing for me. Like you're not just he- like doing drugs in a fucking toilet in Bangkok, <laughs> touching drugged up toilets, and then you're gonna go to Bali and just get ill because you had ice in your drink. Like you're not finding yourself, <laughs> you silly fucker. If you want to find yourself, go live with like a tribe or something. It it on it pisses me off. I'm not stopping people from traveling. Go and travel, but just say it for what it is. You're gonna go somewhere else to get drunk. Yeah, that's what it is. One of my favourite uh, jokes from Jason Manford was he's talking about his little brother and how his little brother was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go travel," and he's like, his dad was like, "Why?" and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go travel and find myself." And then apparently his dad was like, "Yeah, but what if you do find yourself and you're still a prick?" <laughs> That's the problem. This is I don't people can travel for whatever reason they want. I'm not gatekeeping. If you want to go get drunk in Thailand, fuck it, power to you. I really want to travel around like most of Europe that I haven't seen, but I'm not doing it because I want to find myself. Like. I, I'm not lost. I want to do it because I just want to see other places. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's funny, and it? you're like, I want to find myself. You're like, I, I I find the whole concept just weird. Just like, right, you just want to explore and become more cultured, maybe. Rounded. And yeah, just yeah. Rounded. You can you can become you can become more rounded for sure. But I take massive issue with people that engage in, I think, especially like animal cruelty when abroad when it is. I don't, you wouldn't do it here, would you? You wouldn't go to the zoo and fucking stroke a tiger. So why is it acceptable over there? Yeah, yeah. It's because you can do it there that you do it, isn't it? We said that before oh, with Cambodia episode when we did um, uh, Pol, Pol Pot, Pot that like yeah. there are things you can do in Cambodia that you cannot do in Europe because the laws are just not, they don't exist. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you're going to a sanctuary and it's an actual good sanctuary and they've got like, oh, we've got some lion cubs here. Like, do you want to feed one milk? Yeah, fine. Do it. As long as it's not in a cage. Yeah. Dosed well, up with heroin. Gary's not going to feed lion cubs. Um, Gary's yeah, going to do something worse. Gary is heading somewhere he likely knows is a hub for child sexual abuse. He settled in Cambodia for a time where he rented an apartment in Phnom Penh. This was not to last. It seems that Gary was more famous now as a nonce than he ever was as the leader and was recognised nearly everywhere he went. A Cambodian minister led a campaign to have Gary deported from the country, claiming that his presence sullied the country's reputation. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a podcast. You can't see my face, can you? How do I describe my face? It's one of those shocking <laughs> fucking, like, I don't, I don't know, moron? If you could yeah. just imagine moron on my face. What? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That, that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like it. Maybe this is a forward-thinking person that was just like, no, we're better than this, but... <laughs> Yeah, but address it then. Don't just kick out one man. Yeah. Sort it out. Gary would find himself across the border in Vietnam, where he bought himself a luxury seaside villa in a place called Vung Tau. 
two hours outside of Ho Chi Minh City. Now, there is no reason why Gary could not have just stayed at his seaside luxury villa, living a quiet life, having been let off fairly easily for his crimes. Instead, Gary was causing a bit of a nuisance of himself. Police were made aware of him when he was barred from a nightclub for groping the teenage waitresses. Upon speaking with other bar patrons, a picture of an unrestricted Gary was beginning to emerge. Stories of Gary taking two young girls into his villa were circulating. When the authorities arrived at his villa to question him, he was nowhere to be seen. Instead, they found a 15-year-old girl discovered in his villa, who apparently had been living there for quite some time. Hmm. Gary was oh a- Yes, oh dear. Gary was apprehended by police at the airport trying to board a flight to Bangkok. With Gary's arrest now in public knowledge, six women between the ages of 23 and 11 came forward with claims that he had had sex with them. Since two of the girls that came forward were under the legal age of consent in Vietnam, which happens to be 18, if Gary was found guilty of having sex with these two in particular under 18s, he would be executed by firing squad. Christ, they don't do things by halves over there, do they? I know, I didn't even know that they had capital punishment then. Oh yeah, I think even, is it Cambodia now? They have... The, oh, it's somewhere around there. They have the death penalty for drug use and drug selling. Oh yeah, there's that really crazy leader of the nation. He's just like, yeah, drug, yeah, drug guys. Yeah, we'll just absolutely just annihilate you. We'll, we'll execute if, you, if you on you the spot. Smoke one spliff, dead. Yeah, it's absolute batshit. Which is scary because you know you get those cases of people that genuinely have no knowledge of the fact that someone has smuggled in some drugs yeah, into yeah, their yeah, bags. Yeah. If you get caught yeah. with that, good luck arguing it. Yeah, that's why they always ask you, have you packed your bag yourself? Yeah, surely it could be sometimes safer to be like, no, I haven't. Can can we check it all now? <laughs> yeah, uh, together before we go over there. Yeah. Um, weirdly, Gary admitted that the children that he was charged with having raped had indeed shared a bed with him, but that was it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so we've all got to sleep. Come on, what's the problem? Uh, <laughs> we all shared a bed, but that's it. Um, I just find that so fucking, that's so dumb. Um, I think people think that if they say, like, a half-truth, they'll be believed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it Mm. seems that Gary was quietly confident that he would be getting away scot-free. It seems that the families of the two children he had pleaded, uh, they had pleaded on his behalf. They're like, oh, no, he's a stand-up guy, really nice bloke, he's really good with the kids, blah, blah, blah. Which is a bit weird, considering what he's accused of doing to their children. Has he paid them off, do you think? Yeah, but this is the thing. It's not so weird when it was later discovered that the families had received quite a big payout from old charitable Gary. Yeah, there you go. Um, Now, the charge of child rape was dropped due to a lack of evidence. Mm. Now, having having gotten away with his life, again, you might think that this was now the time to calm it down. But no. In 2006, Gary is arrested and tried in court again for committing obscene acts with two girls aged 10 and 11. What those obscene acts are, I'm not too sure, but I know that it involves kissing, fondling, and performing sexual acts with the children. He just can't help himself, can he? It's a mental illness, isn't it? And he, he just he can't stop. Yeah. I'd, yeah. It's not very nice. It's Gary, not nice at all. 
Gary is found guilty and sentenced to three years in prison. The sentence includes a mandatory deportation upon release and he is required to pay 5 million Vietnamese dong to the families. Which sounds like a lot of money. I doubt it is though, is it? At the time, it was only worth about 315 US dollars. Oh, well there you go. For child sexual abuse stuff. Yeah, it's bizarre. I, I would lambast their rules, but one, some countries have you dead... And two, over here, we only gave him four months for child porn, so it seems like no one really knows what they're doing. Yeah, good point. You know what's mad too, right? Gary's spouting that this was all a ploy by the British media. He reckons that the British media set him up with adults that look young enough to be children. (laughs) And it's like, even still, you still went for it, knowing that they look like children. Yeah. And he said that he fully intended to revive his music career in England when he got back from prison. Like, this boy is living in cuckoo land. It, yeah, it's bizarre. Why would you go after the media as well? Yeah, it's really weird. He thinks it's all a conspiracy to just catch him out. Like, why can't he just live a quiet life on his own? And it's like, because you're behaving really badly. Everyone thinks the media's a conspiracy. Yeah, they it's do. Not. It's, it's not. literally not. Um, Although some have an agenda, like us. We're very left-wing. <laughs> oh, every- this is the thing. Everyone's got an agenda, but it's not a conspiracy. Because no. like the way news things work, there'll be an editor that then distributes what the news flow will be that day, and they are not con- maybe maybe they've got their hands in some pockets somewhere. But generally speaking, it's just that the way they lean. Yeah. But no one is going to set Gary Glitter up with children. That's not going to be on anyone's agenda. <laughs> no. Now, one of the girls he abused spoke to the BBC in 2015. She remains anonymous, but her story is all the same, still unsettling. She said, "Quote." I met him when a friend took me round his house. She took me there and said, let's go inside. He showed me photos and a pornographic video. My friend said, let's just stay here for a bit and then we'll go home. He then grabbed me and dragged me into the bedroom and that's when he did it to me. I was scared, really scared, so scared. It was bad that he did this to me. He looked like a father figure, but he did it. Hmm... Um, it's, it's, it's gross. It I, is. I don't know. I don't really know how else to describe it because I'm assuming everyone listening to this is all on the same page right now. And if you're not, you need to go away and have a word with yourself. Mm. Now, despite Vietnam's reputation for having horrendous prisons, places that in 2019 were described by Amnesty International as being places where, quote, conditions remain appalling with evidence of prisoners being tortured and nearly all prisoners having to be uh, engaging in forced labour, Gary had it relatively easy. He shared a cell with 18 other foreign inmates and was exempt from forced labour due to his age. He was diagnosed with a heart murmur and told to lay off the prison beers, but he later collapsed of a heart attack. While recovering in hospital, he was met with a British embassy to discuss his return to the UK after his release. Now, Gary had served his time in the UK for his horrific hard drive and had no real wish to actually return there since he knew he'd be placed on the sex offenders register and then his favourite pastime would be a lot harder to do. Instead, he made his intentions clear that he would prefer to settle in either Hong Kong or Singapore. 
British Home Secretary at the time, Jackie Smith, wanted the British government to take ownership of Gary instead of washing their hands of him and letting him be someone else's problem. She was adamant that he was going to come back to the UK and said, quote, I don't want him to be able to go anywhere else in the world in order to abuse children. Do you know what? I, I really respect that approach where she's like, no, he's our problem. We will deal with him. That is good, because we could have just palmed him off to another country and been like, you you fucking sort this out, but no. I think yeah. that links it to our Shimaima Begum episode, where yeah. the British government do not want to take ownership. Yeah, I think that's really good. That's fine. Now, in 2008, Gary was a free man and was to be deported from Vietnam. The UK expected him to board a flight home. They even sent out a police escort for him. But Gary had other plans. At the airport, he complained of chest pains and tinnitus and needed to see a doctor. Maybe he was stalling for time, hoping that he would miss the flight back to the UK, but the doctor declared him fit to fly. Gary was still refusing to leave, however. He didn't want to go back to the UK, where he was a reviled figure. He couldn't stay in Vietnam, though, so he boarded a flight to Thailand. Now, you may be wondering why the British government and the British police didn't just send, get their escort that was sent there to just grab him and force him on a plane and take him home. The reason why is that they literally could not touch him. He's a free man in both the eyes of the laws of Vietnam and the UK. He'd served his time, he's been to prison, he's now a free man. You can't do anything, you can't force him to go wherever he doesn't want to go. But Vietnam didn't want him, so he had to leave and he had to go somewhere. Unfortunately for Gary, however, Thailand didn't want him either. Upon landing in the country, he was denied entry due to being a, quote, threat to domestic morality and given a deadline to leave the country or they would deport him back to the UK themselves. Gary wisely boarded a flight and got out of Thailand heading to Hong Kong. Unsurprisingly, Hong Kong didn't want a known sex offender <laughs> paedophile in their mists either and he was immediately denied entry and sent straight back to thailand fuck's sakes i know unable to spend much longer in thailand gary was frantically searching for another country to flee to funnily enough more than 20 nations declared that they would not allow gary glitter to enter their country with no more time to waste Gary accepted that his return to the UK was inevitable and boarded a flight reaching Heathrow Airport at 7am on the 22nd of August 2008. He was immediately placed on the sex offenders register and a foreign travel order was placed on him, banning him from leaving the country ever again. It seems to have worked as the next four years passed by relatively quietly for Gary. That is, until 2011, when his old associate Jimmy Savile dies. Mm, this is this is the thing that unravelled it for everyone, isn't it? Oh yeah. Now we'll likely do an episode on Jimmy Savile one day, but to sum it up, he is allegedly one of the most prolific paedophiles the UK has ever produced, using his status as a celebrity figure to get away with his crimes. I do state allegedly because he never stood trial for any of his crimes. He's also dead, so fuck him. He did do him. Yeah. When he died in 2011, it opened the door for many of his alleged victims to speak out about the horrific experiences with him. This led to Operation U Tree, a metropolitan police led investigation into historical sexual abuse claims against many aging celebrities. Jimmy Savile was number one on the list. Also on that list, 
was Gary Glitter. Gary was questioned after an allegation was made that he had raped a 13 or 14 year old girl in Jimmy Savile's own dressing room. Mm. There's a fantastic TikTok that uh, a friend of mine at work sent me and it's really funny and it's it's not funny but it is funny and it's a clip from like Top of the Pops, Jimmy Savile. Oh no, it was Jim will fix it and it was like, oh, Jim, could you fix it for me? Uh, to be a really a, a pop star, I'm really shy though. Could you help me get over my stage fright? And then Gary, Jimmy's like, "Oh, no worries, I can help you out with that." In fact, I know someone who himself is also very shy. Gary Glitter <laughs> just cuts to Gary Glitter. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh god, Fucking Legion of Doom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, out of the frying pan into the fire. Now he was released on bail, but the floodgates were open. The accusations came thick and fast. The glittery rock star was shown to be a vicious sexual predator. He was later arrested and charged with eight counts of sexual offences committed against two girls between the ages of 12 and 14 between 1977 and 1980. He was later accused of seven counts of indecent assault, one count of attempted rape, two sexual offences against three girls between 1975 and 1980, sexually assaulting two girls aged 12 and 13 after inviting them to his dressing room, and attempting to rape a girl under the age of 10 after having crept into her bed. Christ. That's not good. This guy's the fucking bogeyman. Yeah. Yeah, it was the fact that it all comes out like after like he almost got away with it if Jimmy Savile stuff didn't come out. I yeah. mean, he he got arrested for other stuff, but he could have lived his life relatively free. Yeah, yeah. As far as we know, like he was, you know, back in the UK, living a fairly quiet life, and then Jimmy dies. This all came out, and he's probably sitting at home sweating, like, yeah. oh god. Was it the Rolf Harris get done before all that? Or was oh it after as well? yes, was he Operation U Tree also got Rolf Harris. It also got Max Clifford, the famous uh, PR guy. Um, mm. Yeah, quite a lot of people got done. Now, on February the fifth, two thousand and fifteen, Gary was found guilty of attempted rape, four counts of indecent assault, and one count of having sex with a girl under the age of thirteen. And let's be honest, let's call it what it is: it is rape. They cannot Mm -hmm. consent under this age. The 70-year-old Gary was sentenced to 16 years in prison. The judge said at the sentencing, quote, You did all of them real and lasting damage, and you did so for no other reason than to obtain sexual gratification for yourself of a wholly improper kind. Now, we get into a weird loophole with the English justice system here. Since Gary was being sentenced for historical crimes, he could only be convicted and sentenced based on the terms set when he committed these crimes. This meant that while his sentence of 16 years was still considerably light considering what he'd done, it was about all that they could give him. But here is where it really fucked up. At the time, you only needed to serve half of your sentence before the possibility of parole. That has since changed, but it meant that Gary was released from His Majesty's Prison, the Verne, in February of this year, having served eight years of his sentence. So he's out and about, is he? Well, he was released, yeah. Now, safe to say, 
that not many people were pleased about this fact, especially those living in Portsmouth, since it was here that Gary was placed in a hostel. Police were called many times to the hostel to disperse crowds of people that weren't happy with him being there, which is understandable since the hostel he was living in was located about a 10 minute walk away from several schools. Luckily for those for God's a- sakes. Yeah. Luckily for those angry locals, Gary's time out of prison didn't last long. Just 38 days after his release, he was recalled back to prison for breaching his licensing conditions. Yeah. Gary was found to have a smartphone on him and was recorded saying that he was hoping to find, quote, the onion, referring to the dark web. What he would need from the dark web that he can't get on the regular internet is anyone's guess, but I would put good money on the odds of it being something he ought not to be looking at. Gary, now 78 years old, will serve the rest of his sentence behind bars, and considering his poor health and the fact that he will be 86 when he's due for release, means he may never see freedom again. Shame. Just, Just don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Now, to go back to the beginning, when I heard his music in the film The Joker, many people were pissed off, mainly because they didn't like the idea of Gary getting royalties from his music. As I said earlier, he sold the rights to all of his music so he doesn't get a penny from it. But the label that does own the rights to his music does bring in royalties and a hefty sum at that. As we mentioned earlier, the Joker movie paid between a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars for the use of that song which as long is as he doesn't get the money uh yeah he doesn't get the money but it's like someone does and it's they're making good money out of his music it's weird um mm-hmm. but yeah so that's the story of gary so it it raises many a question about an artist and their art and if you can enjoy one without the other r kelly gary glitter Lost Prophets and even Michael Jackson are among those who have music loved by all but are tainted due to their artists' behaviours. So here I open up the floor. Can we, in all good conscience, enjoy an artist's music knowing that they have some horrific crimes or uh, accusations behind them? It's difficult, isn't it? I want to say yeah, but the answer's probably no. But then you you think about films as well, and I always link back to this. Lord of the Rings trilogy is my absolute favourite. It's, it's just my absolute go-to. But Harvey Weinstein was heavily involved in that. Oh, I was a producer. So th- yeah, so then I have an obligation to not watch that because his involvement, I don't know. No, I, don't, I, I will still watch it, so I guess it does extend to music as well. Mm. Yeah, because uh, it's important to state that Gary Glitter's music is blacklisted in the UK for all radio stations. You will never hear any of his music on really? any radio station in the UK ever again. It's completely blacklisted. Um, but Michael Jackson's music is still played on the regular on on the radio. And he was granted, never convicted, though, was has, he? Granted, yes, you're right, has never been convicted. But the accusations are still there, and they're still problematic enough. Um uh, Jimmy Savile, as we've said, is never been convicted of a crime because he's now dead and cannot stand trial for any of them, and yet you won't see him on the TV. Um, no, no need. Yeah, but do you, just is that? I don't know if that's a fair comparison. I'm not sure. Um, they're both people that are dead, cannot defend themselves in court, and are accused of quite horrible crimes. 
Well, I think was it Michael Jackson let oh, I, don't, I don't know was it was he let off before he died? Uh, I'm there, sure were, there was a big trial. Wasn't there? there were a couple of trials that he did go through, um, but then there have been subsequent trials that have come out since, like subsequent accusations that have come out since. Obviously, there's that that yeah. fairly recent Michael Jackson documentary about the victims and whatnot. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So uh. yeah. Um, like, can you still enjoy Same Girl by R. Kelly? <laughs> like, an Usher, can I still enjoy that? Even though he's a I prolific think it's sexual individual. predator. I always find it weird nowadays that Chris Brown sells out arenas. Like, people just fucking forget what he did. That is a madness. The fact and it's that... like it's women that go and watch it as well. Like, the audience is mainly women. Like, are you fucking mad? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, apparently... They were both as bad as each other. I don't know if that's true. That's what I've heard from some of my other people. All I know to be true is that he beat the fuck out of Rihanna. And I've seen yeah. the pictures of her face. And yet the fact that he Not still good. releases music and everyone seems to have forgotten that fact is wild. Yeah. Bizarre. Mm. Well, that's it. That's the story of Gary Glitter. He just rots in a prison at the moment. Shame. Uh, it's crazy because he has had such an up and down life. Yeah, he did. He he could have had it all, but he ended up with nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And and do you know what's the mad thing as well? And I was talking um uh, about this at work the other day that I've watched like so I've listened to all all of his music so far now. I've watched a hell of a lot of interviews with him. He sounds like in terms of his voice. Sounds like such a disarming, nice person that it's shocking to then hear of the things that he goes on to do and that he's doing it. They're master manipulators, aren't they? Uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, it, it's it's wild, man. It's crazy that he just did all this stuff. And, and it's also like, you know, it, uh, endemic of that era, apparently, considering Operation U-Tree that came out and was like... <laughs> They were all up to it. Everyone was part of his gang. Mm. And he's the leader of the gang. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's the story of Gary Glitter. I hope you found that somewhat interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So Look up his music. Let me know what you think, if you like some of his music, because it is quite catchy, some of it. Um, <laughs> if you've watched The Joker, you've definitely heard some Gary Glitter music. Alrighty. Thank you very much for listening. Um I know what my next episode's going to be about already. I've sort of got one lined up in the works. I want to talk about Dr. Crippin. Heard of him? Never. Oh, okay. Cool. This is quite a fun story. It's an exciting story. It's a true crime story, but it's an exciting Ooh, story. We like true crime. Uh, I, I don't have do. a fucking clue who my next episode's going to be, I'm afraid. Um, a thousand apologies. King Charles <laughs> III. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know. No. Um, but yes, um, so obviously we have a website now, so please do head over to the website. That's going to become sort of our hub of things going forward. Uh, head to the website. There is a link on the Instagram page, so you can find all of our articles on there if you want to give those a read. Um, they're, they're going to be really cool because we'll get opportunities to maybe like talk a bit more in depth and maybe some of our episodes or sometimes maybe write an article about something. Um, Gary Glitter, of course, is fairly popular at the moment in terms of what's going on in, in the news, so maybe you expect to see an article on that i don't know but there's the possibility is so uh endless um so yeah head over to the website give that a lot of love um 
remember we also have the Kofi page if you would like to donate to the show you can always do so via that way uh if you want a hoodie or a t-shirt as we're coming into summer now you may want a t-shirt or a hat to keep the sun out your eyes head over to the merch store and make sure you pick yourself up a hat or a shirt and lastly make sure to talk to us comment review all that kind of stuff review us because it absolutely does well like I say, we got in the top 50 or something in the UK for documentary podcasts. We beat the Whistler Boy. We beat Simon Whistler. So <laughs> that was cool. Let's keep that up. And um, yeah, keep up with the love. Some people have reached out to us fairly recently and it's it's fucking great. I love hearing from all of you guys. Um, so yeah, keep it up. Thank you very much. All right. I think it's about it. Amazing. All right. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. Infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim. Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.